listening to Nerds on Film with Roxy Noberry, Sean Moriarty, Gina Giovanetti, and Brian Moriarty. It's beginning to be a season for drinking. God, Everywhere yes. you go. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Cheers. Cheers. We were Cheers. joking. We were joking because um, unfortunately we won't be able to do a karaoke episode. We were joking. We should say like people, we should act like one of us, like like Eric does, because Eric always plays the ignorant like cast member basically uh, mm-hmm. on the show. And joking that like when we, we sing Christmas carols, he sings carols that he really doesn't know the lyrics to at all. <laughs> He's like, yeah, like that one you sing during Advent, like, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, <laughs> and bring us Josh Duhamel. <laughs> oh, that's so good. God. <laughs> you know what? I feel like if... A group of carolers came to my door and started singing recognizable tunes, but with like completely weird out lyrics. I would definitely tip them, like oh my God. in more in more than just figgy pudding. I was gonna Let's say, here's real. all the figgy. Do you pudding. know who Seth Rudetsky is? By chance? No. Okay, no. so he's, it's, this is a theater person tangent, but he's a um, he's a renowned Broadway uh, music director. Um, okay. He tends to work on a lot of shows, and he doesn't ever write his own music. But he, I think, he more plays in the pits. Yeah, he's like he a... plays in the pits, but he's also done a fair amount of conducting, and he does master classes on vocal performance and all that stuff. Um, he did a bit with a guy who sang lyrics, and he didn't. And he, they jokingly, he didn't know the lyrics to the Christmas song, That's so amazing. he was jumbling the verses together. So the opening starts with Jack Frost roasting on an open <laughs> fire. Oh and, my god! Yeah. <laughs> well, somewhere, I think it was from like someone at work or like at a party or something. My dad acquired this CD of like more like crude adult uh, Christmas carols. And one of them was like the chipmunks roasting on an open fire. Um, and then there's a bit on there where it's like it sounds like a like a parent and a child talking about like how pretty the angel on top of the tree is mm. or like you know it's just like oh no like we're going to put the angel on top of the tree and then you hear the angel's voice which is this very like gruff man's voice that's just like no what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> and then you hear this scream as it sounds like the top of the tree has been like shoved up the angel's ass like it's <laughs> I don't know where we ended up with this Christmas album, but it's very strange and very odd, but also adds a little bit of humor to, you know, the stress of the holidays. That sounds like a white elephant gift. (laughs) That sounds a little bit. I'm going to imagine what it sounds like, and this is my interpretation of that. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Please get out of inside me. I mean, it's fairly it's fairly accurate. I think what it goes into is a parody of like um I forget what the name of the song is and I think it was it was the like Annette Funicello song. Um the like who put the stomp in the romp bump bump like that song. Yeah. Um but it's parodied in like who put the stump up the rump kind of thing. <laughs> so like that's that's where that's where that song ends up. Um but no, it's it it gives a it gives a good laugh to what what does become sometimes a stressful holiday. <laughs> stressful holidays. You know, I think on that note, ladies and gentlemen, 
Welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Gina Giovanetti. And I'm Vanessa Alvarez Moriarty. Yay! Yay! I think this is your first time on the podcast since before the wedding, actually, right? I think that's right. I think my last episode was talking about wedding wedding movies movies. with roxy yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) cool well it's good to have her so speaking of roxy roxy um unfortunately she got sick at like the last minute and she couldn't be here to join in our festive celebrating of the holiday season well when she finds out that we brought our eggnog and wine yeah she's gonna be very sad so oh my god we have to share what we're talking about honey do you want to share what we're drinking Oh um, please please we, tell me about this because I'm jealous just watching you consume whatever that is. <laughs> well, as some of you may know, Brian has an unhealthy obsession with Christmas with, cost No, cocktails. no, that's not what I was gonna <laughs> say. <laughs> I was gonna say with Alton Brown. Oh well him too, yes. <laughs> and it just so happens that Alton Brown has an eggnog recipe that is mostly booze. And um and you can also essentially age it for a year and that is what we have done ladies well actually and gentlemen. there's nothing to say it can't last longer but well it has lasted longer yeah. because i think we made it before thanksgiving last yeah. year <laughs> so we are drinking our one year eggnog and so before you people freak out and say oh my god you guys are gonna get so sick let me first say that the ratio of liquor to dairy here is 1.5 quarts of dairy to 1.5 pints of liquor Okay. So this is there is a cup of bourbon, a cup of brandy, and a cup of rum in this recipe. Wow! In this, it makes a basically makes a giant jar of it, and it's uh, mixed with fresh nutmeg. Mm. And oh, what, that's what we didn't bring. We didn't bring our little. Well, we didn't bring nutmeg. a little microplane and nutmeg to like <laughs> grate on top of it because we it's have just those the two. two of you in the studio right yeah. now. You don't have to be extra for our listeners. Well, at and home. also. <laughs> I don't know if this can be caught on the mics at all, but it just started pouring. I can hear it on, okay. on like for out of my headphones. I can I can hear it. I think you got what we had up here this morning. Yeah. Yeah, it's making its way down. Yeah. Making but its, its way been downtown. On <laughs> yeah. So, <gasps> yes. Um also uh so let's talk about the flavor of this really quick because the one thing we've noticed is the first thing is this alcohol like beverage is so strong that like the first time you drink it, it will literally like feel like your nostrils are being burned out. You should drink it <laughs> when you make it. Um, you should try it once just to see. And then over the past year, it's gotten smoother and smoother and smoother. And now to the point where you really can't taste the alcohol at all. In fact, what's inter- interestingly enough, he's lying. You could taste the alcohol. Oh uh, well, I can't taste it. <laughs> but what I find is really interesting is the nutmeg flavor has gotten stronger over the course of the year. Okay. So I'm I def- can see that. Yeah, so I'm definitely getting that nice nutmeggy flavor um, to go along with it, and it is delicious. See, so I I'd, I'd be really interested to try that because I have I've honestly never been a huge fan there's, there's of the eggnog, um, but I would be interested in trying yours. And meanwhile, I'm over here just like listening to you talk about your wonderful culinary eggnog exploits, and I'm just like. I have a packet of Nestle hot chocolate mix that I mixed into a mug. Hey, like, that's fine. Um, I have, you know, so you can you can tell how refined your palate is against <laughs> mine. But you know, well, I would I, I would be interested in trying yours because, like I said, I've never been a huge huge fan of eggnog. And I, I have a feeling that's what a lot of people have told us, and we're like, hold on, let me. 
if they're like at our house, well, like just mm-hmm. a second. It doesn't matter what time of the year it was because this past year we've had this eggnog in our fridge and mm-hmm. we just bring out a couple shot glasses and we just pour a little bit so they can get a little yeah. taste and mm-hmm. they're like, okay, yeah, I think I can do this. Generally speaking, everybody we've given it to who hates store-bought eggnog mm-hmm. loves loves this recipe. Um, or can, or at least we'll be able to tolerate this recipe. And I think mm-hmm. it's because the store-bought eggnogs, number one, they look, it looks yellow, which is weird because I yeah. think they, it's like this weird custardy thing. They put other like thickeners in it because they yeah. assume you're just going to put booze in it. And they also put, they also add a weird brandy extract to it to give it that slight hmm. alcoholic taste to it. And it's just, it's, it's not good. Oh, it's really and not also good. this. So and the vanilla, they also put vanilla in it too. Yeah. Well, hmm. to talk about the alcohol in it, it's got rum, it's mm-hmm. got bourbon, and it's supposed to have cognac, but we cheat. So we got brandy <laughs> instead. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I, I, think... I did say that already. So right, because yeah. yours, yours has multiple alcohols in it. Because like I've never had been a fan of like the actual drinking eggnog, but in uh, in Dutch, there's a version of it that's less of like you're su- like less. Hey, you're supposed to chug gallons of this at holiday time, and more like you give it as like an aperitif kind of after dinner yeah. dessert. And it's called advocat, and it's more like um, it's more like a for lack of a better term, it's like an eggnog kind of pudding in that it's and it's um, it's all brandy in it. It's a very brandy heavy pudding and then you're supposed to yeah and then you're supposed to serve it in like little chocolate shot glasses and then put a little bit of cream on top and eat it with like these little tiny spoons and so like Mm -hmm. that's what I like also because like it is a punch in the face with brandy too and it's so good like we had my boyfriend over for New Year's a couple years ago and my mom made it and he thought it was just like regular vanilla pudding or something and took a big bite of it and like watching his face change was very <laughs> funny to me because he he always he always jokes with me that like oh there when when we go out and we get cocktails like he we can always tell which one is mine because you can't taste the alcohol and then like him taking a big bite of this pudding and not expecting it meanwhile i'm just like very chill eating mine and i'm just like can you taste the alcohol now bitch (laughs) yeah um it's it's pretty damn good and brandy makes total sense because it's a digestive type of liquor yeah so that makes Perfect sense to mix in for that. And interestingly enough, glug, which I would have had ready for today, but I did. I feel like that would have been unfair. That would have just been torture for us to be sipping glug while you couldn't be here for that. You so. know what? It really would have, Brian, and I appreciate you yeah. holding back. So, but glug actually came came from um, Swedish sailors who were trying to make eggnog but didn't have any dairy on them. So hmm. they they mixed the spices in with wine and sugar instead. We don't have milk. Hey, we have wine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, to be to be fair, that sounds like Christmas more than anything. Like we're out of milk, let's drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um also, I feel like drinking alcoholic eggnog is the proper way to be drinking it because eggnog e- the whole reason eggnog even exists in the first place is it was a medieval method of preserving milk during the winter. So huh. That's like adding sugar and, and booze to it was to keep it from going sour. So I fully support alcoholic eggnog. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're in recovery. And then I totally understand. And you need, you know, to not do right. that. Right. 
<laughs> so <laughs> obviously do 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 what you need to do in the holidays yeah but there's nothing wrong with hot cocoa hot cocoa is the shit during yes. during christmas yeah we're gonna go to our christmas in the park and get our snowman hot chocolate like we i do every have never year. had the snowman hot chocolate <gasps> at christmas in the park i didn't have it until i met brian well, I don't, like, I remember going to Christmas in the Park and going, like, on, like, a class field trip or whatever. And so, like, and the thing is, I I didn't get that this hot chocolate was such a big fucking deal until, like, Instagram? everybody started to get it and then put it, like, oh, no, like, I gotta get my snowman hot chocolate, like, for the gram. It's, like, people who get, like, the Mickey Mouse ice cream bars at Disneyland or, like, a Dole Whip or a churro or something, like, just so they can put it on Instagram, which pisses me off because then the line for Dole Whips is super long because there's, like, the only... But now you can there's, mobile like, the order place you can get them in the... Oh, God, that's so convenient. <laughs> um... But no, but like, but that's it. Like, and and that's why like the line is always so long at Christmas in the park for this damn yeah. hot chocolate because everybody has to like do their pick for the gram with it. And I'm just like, all right, listen, I'm just coming to Christmas in the park to see if I can find like Church of Satan's Christmas tree this year, <laughs> and then I'm going home. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, our trick is that we go either very late on like a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or during the week. During the week late and we stay away during like the week before Christmas because oh, that's insanity. Yeah. That's, but um yeah. yeah, I mean they know the thing is is that half of the people who are like waiting in line I mean, this may be kind of sneaky, half the people who are waiting in line aren't even paying attention. And usually mm. I'll find that one person who's trying to get the like the one attendant who's trying to get the attention of the next person in line and, and they're failing. And so I just like wave at them and they're like get over here fine i'll I'll serve whoever wants a hot chocolate okay it's it's i mean it's a pretty good i've i mean i'm guilty i've taken a picture of it but i go and walk over to like the other sidewalk to go take a picture. right no and like i i get that and i think that was it i think it's more like i have never had it because it wasn't until like the last two years that i actually knew that this snowman hot chocolate was a thing at christmas in the park because i suddenly saw it like on everybody's social media pages like gotta go and get my snowman hot chocolate like okay Great. They have got a team out there too. Yeah, to no, like dole these out. Yeah, they're totally fast about so, it. So, for our listeners who don't know, we're talking about uh, <laughs> Christmas in the Park, which is like an institution in San Jose that like they set up Christmas displays and things in the middle of downtown, and a bunch of local organizations and stuff sponsor Christmas trees that they put different ornaments on, and it's like a nice thing for like your family and stuff to yeah. to go to, just in case you're very confused as to what have, like, we're talking about. <laughs> local unions sponsoring Christmas trees, high schools, sure. different scout Girl scout troops. troops. You're right. Multiple performance troops come and provide and perform Christmas music. There's a mm-hmm. there's a place where you can go and see Santa. A very nice yeah. place where you can go and see Santa. Um, they started yeah. adding that like uh, I twelve feel days like, of Christmas display uh, too. Yeah, they have the twelve days mm. of Christmas. That's been there for a while. Yeah. But um, I don't think I noticed until a couple years ago the like a the pet adoption area. Yeah. where they have they put little like cats and puppies and stuff in like these little window displays that are decorated all for Christmas and it's like to garner volunteerism and hopefully just awareness that like hey you know don't 
go go rescue a pet for Christmas if you're going to yeah, don't necessarily give a get in a pet shop exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, also I think for those who are maybe not in the United States the closest thing I can equate this to is like it's like a Christmas market it's just it's there's less emphasis on buying shit unless that shit is in fact food, food or beverage and there's not really alcoholic mm-hmm. stuff because I am yeah America. I I am also gonna plug that like in recent years just for like to contribute to the upkeep of Christmas in the Park as an institution, they've also started to sell things like buttons and T-shirts and things mm-hmm. that say Christmas in the Park. And last year I got one that there's a local artist named uh, Genevieve Santos who also goes by the like artist or brand name La Petite Elephant. Um, and she did a design for a Christmas in the Park T-shirt last year. So I did buy the T-shirt because I love her artwork and I love her style and also just like that. That's kind of what I wear in place of like an ugly Christmas sweater is my my Genevieve Santos t-shirt. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Also, it's kind of a tradition to just go through. I mean, not only the nostalgia if you grew up in San Jose, but to see um, some of the displays are horribly dated. And oh, it's great. And it's it's slightly terrifying seeing some of these elves and other like the parachuting stuffed animal display and it's just it's it's great yeah they also do they also have like the big nativity scene with like the very old school like big plastic like lit from the inside nativity figures i think no i think they upgraded to like nicer ones recently but i think i remember them at one point having like the old like plastic light up kind too <laughs> right right and they also have jerome the christmas dragon too oh my god yes <laughs> and they have Which this is whole super fun yeah, whole hilarious story about how apparently the reindeer gets sick one year and so santa has to call him and he's like super excited to, to, <laughs> to finally get a chance to participate in christmas and santa's a little creeped out by how excited jerome is and it's it's very funny <laughs> listen i would 100 percent leave like mead out for like viking norwegian santa being put like in a viking ship being pulled by a dragon like i would absolutely be all about that or or just odin odin was the gift giver in norse culture during a yule so odin yes odin would ride the sky (laughs) riding an eight-legged horse slepner if that's not badass i don't know what is fun fact that horse was also like his grandson, so. Oh, now it's yeah, kind of no. creepy, but okay. Well, the so what it was, what um, there's a story in which, um, like a builder comes to like build a wall of protection around um, like Odin's kingdom or whatever um to protect everyone and the builder has this horse and the builder bets that um okay if he if he builds this wall and does like a solid job of it within a particular time limit he gets to marry i believe freya which is um one of odin's daughters and so um eventually like he's coming up on his time limit and he has this horse that pulls all of the the stones and things to build the wall and so in order to like prevent him from finishing on time uh loki turns into a horse and seduces the builder's horse in order to um like 
prevent the work from happening. And then, like, Loki actually gives birth to this, like, eight-legged horse named Slepner and then gifts it to Odin. Um, so, yeah, that's... The horse is... The Slepner is also, like, technically Odin's grandson. <laughs> Listeners, kind of. I wish you could see Brian's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never see Hom- Tom Hiddleston in the same way ever again. Because I'm imagining I, that Loki as the Loki doing this, and that's just oh, yeah. fucking weird. Oh, yeah, it's is. great. It's great. Well, like, I've seen... It's really funny, because I've seen, uh, like, little comics that people have made of... It looks like the Tom Hiddleston Loki, like, with this eight-legged horse, and they've made it into, like, a card that says, like, Happy Mother's Day on it. Oh, my God. Um, and it's oh, very funny. Jesus. It's very funny to me. Um yeah, no, I, I I knew part of the story, but I've also been reading um, the Neil Gaiman's Norse, mytho- Norse mythology lately as well. Oh, so, right on. Yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> well, let's actually get to the topic of Christmas movies. Sorry. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because you know, it's 20 minutes in, let's, you know. <laughs> hey, man, just like... Christmas, Christmas food and drink is an integral part of the holidays. Yeah. Yes, th- indeed. This is nerds on things. Yeah, nerds on things now? <laughs> Not yeah. is what random things <laughs> said. Not it's not um, Ner- nerds on stuff and things. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so you know, a couple years back, we had done an episode on all the interpretations of the Grinch, which really, up until this year, there was pretty much only two. Right, there was the original Boris Karloff, 1960s animated version, and then the one with Jim Carrey in 2001. And then there was that short-lived 1993 version that um, it was Brian and sock puppets in his bedroom. Oh. Well, you know, I haven't really told anybody else but you that. Oh, so. oh you, you gotta you gotta tell us now. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it's a totally joke. Made it's, up. A, it's a joke. Oh. We didn't actually do that. Damn. Though uh, we have been in talks about doing a Christmas Carol with possibly a sock puppet actor. Yeah, we want to do... Oh, my God. Yeah, we, we basically what we're thinking about doing is we have a friend who really loves Christmas Carol as a story, and she's an actor. And me being an actor-director, we got the idea of maybe doing a production of Christmas Carol with a six-actor track. So very much kind of like how we did our Neuronomy Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. But we have a track that's all puppets, and we think... Oh, my God. So the puppet... So that's obviously the same actor, but the same actor playing all the parts of puppets. Probably thinking of the ghosts as all puppets but i mean that but that also might be the the cop-out uh idea my idea is that that sock puppet is actually just another actor of the troupe and so is therefore taking on just another character track oh (laughs) just like (laughs) like this is i don't what are we going to name the sock puppet i don't know we have to give him a stage name oh so oh so he's a character in the cast yeah he's just a character in the acting troupe that's putting on a Christmas Carol. <laughs> He's legitimate, Brian. I don't know what you're laughing about. Okay. So, um, and yeah, and so it's obviously very in the early stages of development, but that would be super, super fun. Um, in fact, actually, I think the idea of doing like legit classical theater with puppets um, <laughs> adds a level of absurdity to it that might make some classical theater more digestible. So that could be a fun experiment in general um anyway topic so the grinch was we were talking about before we got (laughs) on a tangent here um but vanessa and i had actually uh seen the new grinch as of this week so uh the one with benedict cumberbatch playing the part and i thought we would spend some time and talk about this edition is kind of a follow-up to our previous version so um what would 
honey, what would you, what did you say was the thought you had walking out of the theater with it? Um, I, hmm, God, put me on the spot. I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked that it wasn't super long. It was, I think, clocked in about 85 minutes. 85, 86 minutes. So it was yeah. nice, tight it was really Story. tight. Um, it was still, it tugged at all your heartstrings at different parts. They didn't try to, there was a lot of extra stuff in the the Jim Carrey one. It was like, he had all this full backstory and, mm-hmm. you know, he had this unrequited love story. And it, it was really just such a sweet story. I really liked that they fleshed out. They still did a kind of a flesh out of um, Cindy Lou Who. And her family, mm-hmm. and that was actually probably the sweetest edition. Yeah. Of well, it. so what's different in this version is, that, and of course, spoilers, guys. Um, what's different in this version is that Cindy Lou is now one of three siblings. She has like a, a pair of twin brothers who are like maybe six months to a year old. Yeah. And um, her mom is a single mom, so we don't know what's happened to the father, but we do know that she works full time as like a nurse and so she works the night shift so she can help manage the kids during the day basically and so cindy lou is basically really she's at an age of and she's definitely not two so that's that that's the one thing that they did do is they cut out the verses that didn't fit the their new story which some could argue as a criticism of the story i think it works so i would say that cindy lou in this version is about probably about eight years old well, so. that's what they that's what they did in the Jim Carrey version too. Like the the actress was not two in that. She was also about like eight or nine in that, I would think. Right. And they didn't try to downplay that like who's age at a different rate or anything. They didn't have to go into any of that kind of ex- explanation. Mm-hmm. Um so what's interesting is her thing is she's trying to get a letter to Santa, but she misses the deadline to get it to him in time. So her whole goal is she's trying to get her letter to Santa because she wants to ask something very special and she doesn't want anything for her she really wants something for her mom which is very sweet it's like her mom is just trying to uh do all these wear all these different hats and she's struggling so she wants to find a way to help her and cindy lou helps her in the way that she can but she doesn't she knows that it's not enough so she and her friends concoct a plan to kidnap santa claus uh and not kidnap santa claus i should say but just just to to trap him for a few minutes so that she can pitch her Christmas wish to him. So it's okay. not so much a kidnap him and hold him ransom. It's not nightmare before Christmas. No, it's, it's not, not that at lock, all. Lock, shock, and barrel. <laughs> but it's just to, to, you know, to lure him for a few minutes. And so there's that story. There's the story that I think is actually much more distilled. Is it's They gave Grinch a similar backstory in this version where... He's an orphan. He's an orphan. And, but instead of being left as a baby on two old ladies' doorsteps... He was just un- left neglected at an orphanage, and he never got to experience Christmas, even though he wanted Aww. to. Exactly. So I think it actually added way more to the character that way. And he's just kind of got used to being alone. And Max is his only real companion. And um, so, and that's a very solid through line throughout the movie. Um, there's also a new character, a, a neighbor who's voiced oh by Kenan Thompson, who is like, <laughs> he's a neighbor, and I say neighbor, he's like at the base of Mount Crumpet. Um, but he's like super into Christmas, like ugly sweaters, with blinking <laughs> lights, 
like Clark Griswold lights on the house, inflatable uh, <laughs> and uh, he, lawn and, decorations. And oh he, my god! Life size sleigh on the roof with life size reindeer decorations. And oh he's my super god. nice to the Grinch. Like as the Grinch even says, like he thinks we're friends. And like <laughs> every time he sees him, he's just like just treats him like he doesn't say anything bad to him. And yeah. I mean, you'd hope Aww. that like. Clue in, dude. There's people who yeah. don't care that you're grumpy. Just- yeah. So what, what what you do end up finding out, and what's interesting, an interesting arc they make with this character is this Grinch is a much more crafty inventor, as huh. he just kind of like he dabbles in that in his own uh, free time. So it's how Max also makes Grinch's cup of coffee and breakfast every morning. Like Max <laughs> uses a couple of contraptions to like bring up, and there's a dumb waiter that he's he's built into his house and all that stuff. So apparently one morning when Grinch is like really heart set on, I'm going to steal Christmas, he drinks some crazy like espresso and then he just starts tinkering in his lab and comes up with a ton of gadgets to help get through. How is he going to steal Christmas? (laughs) And like, and it's like, he's like oddly logistical with his like, oh, so there's 220 houses in Whoville. We have to hit hit six houses an hour (laughs) in six hours, basically, to be able to, or like six houses... It was like he had to come up with some. It was like twenty six houses an hour or whatever it was, in the set amount of time to be able to like steal. Like it's very very funny how like legit serious he takes the stealing of Christmas. Um, and then like the the after the whole thing with him like getting uh, reindeer is pretty funny. There's like there's this whole bit where they go hiking and they find reindeer, and uh, they there's the screaming goat that scares all the reindeer away except for for Fred who's the big fat reindeer. Who you find out ends up having has a family, and oh. I mean, I'm doing what like bad theater critics do in this area, which is just summarize the movie instead of actually saying what I thought of it. <laughs> um, but just to give you guys a sense of like what what is yeah, different we, about this movie, we need context in order for you to be able to give your opinion. So Absolutely. No, continue. <laughs> so all these things are going on, and then finally, um, he finally gets to okay. Now I need my Santa suit. So then he puts the Santa suit together. Uh, and then he actually has a beard in this one. He has like a little like mechanical beard that drops down from his hat so that he can look like Santa Claus completely. <laughs> so um, he's going around. He's doing all this fun stuff. He's using his gadgets. He's got he's got this badass candy cane cane that is like this is the kind of shit that Batman would develop. It's or like it's like a Batman Daredevil level level cane because it's it's literally like it's a combination grappling hook it's a combination uh parachute at times i think it does all kinds of cool things to it, it like i think it doesn't it magnetize at one point yeah it does so he he hits a magnet on it so he can like get the nails out to to capture all the, like the stockings that's fun yeah so it's 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 very whimsical and fun and he also what he does is when fred the their de facto reindeer ends up finding his family and going back to his family, he promotes, quote-unquote, promotes Max to reindeer. And instead of giving <laughs> tying a horn to his head, they give him a helmet. Uh, <laughs> that has got, a horn. It's like a football helmet that's got a reindeer horn. The same, like, singular, like, mohawk reindeer horn mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> attached to it. Um, and, like, and they they jokingly, like, he's got thrusters, I think, on the sides of the, of the um, sleigh. So there's not really a gag of him not, being able to get down the mountain. He just, like, Max is just, like, super determined and plus cartoon logic, so he can pull this gigantic sleigh full of tons of presents 
and it's I also, not as much I of an issue. I think I feel less sorry for Max in this version than I've had in past versions. Yeah, like, because there's a little bit. I mean, there are moments, moments where Max is angry with the Grinch, which is which is fun. <laughs> um, I can't remember. There's something that the Grinch does to offend Max, and Max just kind of huffs and goes away and sits in his little like. Oh, it's when, Dog he was, bed. when he was playing the drums. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because the Grinch is also an organ player. So he's got this giant, like, Phantom of the Opera size organ in his... Oh, my God. Yeah. What so, was he playing? Oh, I can't remember. But oh it was hilarious. God. It was really funny. For so the Max was, like, waiting to do, like, his drum percussion, like, support line. And <laughs> the Grinch wasn't letting him do it. And it was kind of funny. Um, so it was really light. It was really fun. What I also loved is that Danny Elfman did the score to the movie. Oh, that's fun. So he and he rearranged Bahu Forest uh, as well to have a more like legit orchestral sound to it, uh, like or orchestral uh, choral sound to it. Um, mm-hmm. And the only thing I didn't really care about for the music was they did a remix of the of Mr. Grinch at the beginning of the movie, and they didn't mm-hmm. do the the like traditional Thurl Ravenscroft Grinch in the montage where he's going through oh. and stealing. They didn't really do that. And that's, I mean, that's also... They did some remixy kind of more modern music. Right. Which, and, uh, yeah. at times I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this. But at the same time, I mean, am I the market for this? I, do I not like it because I'm yeah. being super touchy and nostalgic about it? Well, so I was listening to an interview with Scott Mosier, who, for those who don't know, has been Kevin Smith's producing partner and editing partner on almost all of his earlier work. And they they are still on very good terms. They still have that podcast together called Smodcast. And so Kevin just interviewed him to talk about the movie. And basically there was a lot of talk about, well, because Scott was co-directing the movie uh, with the guy who was doing the animation, they had a discussion about, well, we can't try. We don't even want to try to emulate the animated Mm version, the original animated version. Um, so we're not going to try. We're going to try to do our own thing with it while still holding true. They were they were going more off of the book than they were off of trying to copy the original mm-hmm. series, um, which I thought was an interesting approach. I mean, there's certain things you can't not take from the original series because there was a defined look to the Who's, how they look animated versus how they look on a, just a simple illustration, how Whoville looks. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of things in that, in the Seussian kind of design that just works. So... Why mm-hmm. try to reinvent that? But I think as far as story goes, they tried to go with it in a very unique way with it. And um, the reason I get talk about the whole like gadgety element of the Grinch is because that's ultimately when the when Grinchy Claus basically is ensnared by Cindy Lou when he's because she's the last house basically. That's that's the <laughs> one other difference in the story is that they make her the last house. Um, she basically says, "I'm just looking for someone to help my mom. I don't want anything for me." And she's like, oh, and he doesn't get it. Like, that's the thing. Like, Grinch doesn't understand why other people, and it's because of it, he hasn't had anybody to be with. So it's like his loneliness has very much broken him as a person, which is funny because I'm saying that, but this is a kid's movie. But Grinch is definitely a broken individual who doesn't understand meaningful relationships, but he, yet he mm-hmm. craves meaningful relationship, which I thought was very, very interesting. So I think one of the things, too, is the the Jim Carrey version had a big focus on, like, the commercialization of Christmas. And then that's why they had that, like, Where Are You Christmas song put in there, too, because right. it was, like, Cindy Lou who just wanted to get back to, like, the meaning of Christmas and not the commercialization. Does this have any sort of connection to that? Or is it just more like she, like, or is the... 
I guess, the meat of the plot more focused on, like, meaningful relationships. Yeah, I think where Ron Howard was trying to go with the commercialization of Christmas, these guys didn't really go that route. I mean, the commercialization okay. of Christmas is definitely presented in I the movie. I think that's where what the Grinch feels that's that's what the Who's care about. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. from his perspective, it's... You know, they just want things and they're just going to give each other things and look at all this stuff they have. Right. But uh, you can see that there's nothing when you're in Whoville, there's nothing about it that's, you know, propagating that. Yeah. And okay. Well, while you see, yeah, while you see the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, there is not the obsession with like ringing up people in stores and crazy lines and all the things that, that Ron Howard chose to, to mm-hmm. demonstrate. There's not as much of that. But what I do think, I mean, you can't tell that story without addressing the commercialization of Christmas because that was essentially Geisel's uh, intention, right? Was it right? Was to to mm-hmm. tell a modern Christmas story that addresses that. And Cindy Lou, I think, definitely, I think the fact that she is the antidote to that—that that she doesn't want anything for herself, she wants just to have help her mom and to look for a way to help her mom—is mm-hmm. the is the their commentary on the commercialization of Christmas, and also. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm being honest, I didn't really like that Ron Howard's version made the who's greedy because I thought the whole point of Grinch's realization was that he realized that they aren't they. These are all things that help add to the celebration. But when everything's taken away, they can mm-hmm. still celebrate Christmas. That I was right. going to say, that's what I liked about I think this version is that that that's was that was Grinch's perception, right? And that's what he just mm-hmm. assumed from what he was possibly seeing but when you were looking at the who's interacting with each other and and when it wasn't a scene with Grinch in it you saw that you know they were just really excited about you know celebrating and everyone coming together to make an every house like every family made an ornament for the big tree and they were contributing to like the town and that's a, that's actually really funny. The tree is so big that Grinch can't do the famous umbrella thing and steal it because literally, <laughs> literally, it gets flown in with like three helicopters because it's that big. So there's like that's the one thing he couldn't steal from Whoville, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even try. Um, so the one thing everyone everyone wakes up and realizes everything's gone. They have the tree at least, and they gather around the tree. And there's actually a really cute moment where Cindy Lou says to her mom, "Everything's gone, mom." Oh boy, here we go. Mm. Oh, oh no! Brian was crying she, during the yeah, movie. Yeah, Vanessa, I've cried at least five times watching it. Oh, it's okay. But she basically said, "Oh, that doesn't matter. Christmas is in your heart." Oh, honestly, like Christmas always seems to have those like little moments that like make the waterworks go, sure. and like not just in like movies and stuff, but like, have you had any of the like the Christmas commercials for things that end up making you tear up or is that just Oh my me? God, I just sent Brian one. I don't know if you watched it. I did watch it. It didn't really make me cry. But, oh my God, it was but so it was very cute. Sweet. It's it was a, very sweet. It's, uh, I think it's a French commercial. It's like a French like phone commercial or something. And mm-hmm. it's like this whole build up and it's like, you know, like dance with your kids or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just this, this dad it's showing different stages with him and his son in his life and like mm-hmm. this one song will come on and different stages of their like the song keeps coming on the dad always dances at his son to it and like mm-hmm. you know as he's growing up there's just like the last scene you see is before like the part that's supposed to make you cry is um he's 
he's dancing at his son and he, they're in like a coffee shop or something and his son is just like not having it like super embarrassed like looking around and mm-hmm. um then you switch to like they're obviously much older the parents are much older and they get like a video call from their son and they have you know like his little tiny grandson now and the song comes on and the son is dancing with his new son and stuff like Aww. that to the same song. It's super cute. Yeah, it's very, very sweet. Oh. And of course, the the phone is the gift that's under the tree. He hears yeah. a box ringing. So they open up the box and there's the phone oh, and okay. there's the son. Yeah. So it was really cute. Um, you know, it's like, je vois papa. Like, c'est son petit fils and all that stuff. So, um, yes, I speak a little French. Um, That's impressive. <laughs> Duolingo. Yeah, do, seriously, Duolingo for the, for the, for the win. Um, no, but that's that's nice that, you know, you kind of were able to go and see a movie that even as an adult you're watching and, like, you may not have been the target demographic for it, but you're still getting that very sweet message from it that is very important for kids to hear, too. I think... Um, Especially in like a a day and age where, you know, a lot of kids want things like smartphones and and that sort of thing for for Christmas. It's it is very like Christmas is a is a holiday where it is very, very easy to get caught up in the commercialization. And so for for kids to hear that message, even adults too to hear that message and have it reinforced that like Christmas is in your heart. It's about who you're with and things like that is super important. Yeah. And so the, the, the payoff to that as Grinch's – so first of all – oh, god damn it. <laughs> okay. It's okay. <laughs> Focus on your breath. Okay. Because um, <laughs> choked up audio on an audio podcast is not great. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's that whole thing. And then they sing Bahu Force and Grinch has his moment of what have I done? And there's the whole, it cuts to the x-ray inside of his body and they make the heart go three sizes. But there isn't the the whole thing where he has to go, well, the the sled does almost fall off, but he doesn't do the whole 10 Grinches plus two thing where he saves it. What ends up, he does, ends up doing uh, is he grabs the sleigh and he almost falls off and then Max grabs him like he does in the original version, but that's not enough. So then Fred, the reindeer family comes back Aww. and they're all pulling him. So That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, and also Aww. it wasn't it it didn't end the same way where it's like Grinch returns all the stuff and then hooray the end and well, we invite him to dinner and stuff. Well, I mean he, it does happen that way, but well, it's not quite the way that not you're as saying. Fast. It. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is that Grinch comes back and there's this whole thing where everyone's looking at him and he's he apologizes. He, he gives this genuine apology. Oh. And explains why he did it. And then he gives everything back and then he just says I kind of need to be by myself now. Because he goes home and um, he gives Max a present. He gives Max Aww. a present. Gives him a little bone for Christmas, like a little chew bone. Um, and finally, like he's just expected to spend Christmas alone. And then Cindy Lou comes to his house and then invites him to dinner. So then he's excited because he's never been to Christmas dinner before. Mm-hmm. But then he's also like freaked out because he's he almost doesn't go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he he puts on like a candy cane striped tie. And that's by the way, that's the only thing he's wearing because cartoon naked works. Yeah. Well, he no, no, well, he well, wears sorry. pants. He wears green furry pants that match <laughs> the green fur of his It is body. established in the beginning because I was very confused because when you see the Because he Grinch, wasn't shirt cocking as 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 
Grinchy claws. He was no. wearing green his green furry pants. <laughs> so he in in the very beginning of this movie because he wakes up and he's wearing underpants and then I'm so confused. So I'm just like, is he just gonna take those off? What's gonna happen? And then he goes into his closet and he puts on exa- like pants that are just more green fur. So I was like, oh, oh my okay. god. Yeah, so it's it's very like ridiculous and poking fun at why is he naked and no one like repulsed yeah. at the fact that he's <laughs> he's naked. That's funny. I also I have to say I really liked the characterization of Cindy Lou Who. She was really spunky and she was a nice little like she wasn't uh, I mean, the Jim Carrey version or I should say probably really Ron Howard version <laughs> um, hmm. was like everyone was kind of cutesy and things like that. But she was kind of like a a little bit of a rough and tumble and she was very inventive. She was, she has like this one friend that she hangs out with the most. Who's this other little boy. And, um, she gets together like a bunch of her friends to help her plot this whole, yeah. it was very Santa it, trap. And it was very like, it was definitely very like a feminist version of Cindy Lou. And that, mm. because yeah, she had friends who were boys. They didn't, there was none of that, oh, I have to only have friends. There were friends who were girls, too, but they had, like, this mixed-gender group of friends mm-hmm. who just kind of, like, did their thing. And the, there was another girl there who had, like, a scarf around her face oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. whole time in glasses. I'm yeah. not sure if that was, like, their subtle way of saying, oh, this is our Muslim friend or yeah. not. But, like, it was – but because I was like, she never takes a scarf off. It's kind of mm-hmm. – Mm, I, like I feel like that and... that might be kind of a stretch because I mean there are a yeah, lot of like so. winter based things where you always have like the one kid that's extra bundled up. That's yeah, true. it's like that Christmas story. Like I can't put parent. my arms down kind yeah. of way. Yeah. That's totally um, fair. But I think you know like the the idea that you do have a like inclusive group of friends is is cool, and that you mentioned that like that the the mom is a single mom too. I think it's important to showcase that, and you can represent kids with families who have a single parent that may be especially around the holidays when you kind of get that overarching message of like, well, families are supposed to be together for the holidays, but maybe you have a parent or a family member that, you know, the holidays is their busy time. And you don't necessarily have that like, oh, we have the whole family at home at night sitting by the fire ideal. I think it's important to show that, too, and that like it's not that, you know, they don't care about you. It's just that sometimes this is what families need to do to survive. Right. Oh, and, and I think I was sorry. I was going to say so the, the the final payoff of all this other than. Yes, Grinch gets invited to the Christmas dinner. He gets to carve the roast beast and all that stuff. Is mm-hmm. during the kind of like the closing montage of the film. The Grinch has kept his word as Grinchy Claus, and he basically made a bunch of inventions for his Cindy Lou's mom so that she can like oh uh, manage to like help like so. There's like a dishwashing machine mm-hmm. in a very who way that's in the kind mm-hmm. of very Rube Goldberg like it's robotic hands that are washing and like putting them yeah. on the drawing rack. And stuff for, like, making their lunches and all, like, the things that, so that she can just kind of, like, relax a little bit. Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah, so I, I thought, like that. Yeah. So and it shows some nice character development. That's well. what I was going to say. It, I, what I really appreciated, too, is that it not only did it show um, a single mom, but it was also showed a single mom who, I don't, I wouldn't say she's struggling, but she is strained. Like, it right. didn't shy away from that. It wasn't like she was, like, all peppermint sticks and glitter, you know, when she's around her kids. You can see her, like, when she's taking a breath and just, like, this is 
This is hard. hard. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, that means Cindy Lou has seen those moments in her and she, obviously she doesn't want to point it out to her mom. But you also show the relationship between her and her mother yeah. and how, you know, how grateful they are for each other and how much in the mm-hmm. just in the way they communicated to each other was really sweet and you know how the mom was always telling her how much she appreciated everything she did to help her oh, right that's nice and, and yeah. her and her brothers and stuff yeah like it that. was it was i think it ultimately it was a, a it was a worthy addition a worthy rendition to this these versions of the of the story um mm-hmm. in the end and also i'd be very curious to watch the movie once it comes out on dvd or sorry like we watch dvds anymore on blu-ray or digital download um mm-hmm. because usually with these kind of animation studios there's a really solid like through line of easter eggs that tell backstory in like the background and mm-hmm. i really want to know what happened to their father because the kids being that the the mom has a pair of twins that are less than a year old, unless she's the mom who has decided to go with like IVF three times in a row <laughs> to um, to have kids, or mm-hmm. she's adopted them or whatever. I really kind of want to know the backstory and see if there's like pictures family. on the wall that mm-hmm. that maybe explain what's been happening. I mean, even even if there's not. I think it's also one of those things where sometimes you just end up in a family where, like, you don't know what happened to mom. You don't know what happened to dad. And I think that's, you know, they, there doesn't always need to be a tragic backstory as to why a parent is not involved. Sometimes you just have a, a parent who decides they're not ready to be a parent or, and you know, may, maybe mom had, like, a couple different relationships, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's that's totally fine i just but that was the one thing that the one question i have and i didn't even have it while i was watching it i was i just accepted Mm -hmm. it as it was because this is a functioning family it's a struggling Mm -hmm. uh, sorry a strained family but it's still a functioning family uh it just gave me that curiosity after watching it and usually these movies have a really good way of letting you know that if you watch it a second or third time you find out what happened exactly very much like in shrek like in the first shrek movie you have the three bears and you basically find out that it's pretty awful, but you basically find out that Lord Farquaad separated the mother from Papa Bear and the baby bear and murdered mm-hmm. the mom and turned her into a bear rug. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's all told in the background and very subtle. And it's horrific. It really mm-hmm. makes Lord Farquaad into a, a monster. Um, but yeah, you don't notice monster. it as much because it's just it's all It's a very visual. subtle detail. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so bottom line, we liked it. Yeah, yeah it it sounds it sounds like a, a worthy successor. And the thing is, too, like I I didn't like on TV or whatever. Maybe it's also just because I've been at school and not like watching like broadcast TV a lot. I didn't see like a ton of promotion for it either. Well, so it was really funny. Apparently, their marketing team went crazy with billboard ads. And there was a really like snarky Grinch um, marketing campaign all over. Apparently, and, and they 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 made it unique to each area because, like in LA, they would have ones that said, "Oh yeah, sure, you'll make it as an actor," and like that's their <laughs> yeah. And like wow. there's all yeah, there's a lot of these like snarky left-handed compliments that that he and that they so they did a really fantastic job of getting people to see it. And then of course, there's now the famous pistachio. Uh, 
ad that was photoshopped. Um, oh yeah, because the the real thing said green and salty like me, and then someone photoshopped it and said green and salty like my nuts. Yeah. Um, which obviously they wouldn't have done because that's no, not that's, for a kids movie. You no, know, that's beyond like on uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's that's just straight up like profane. So, yeah. uh, but it was a Photoshop thing. But that Photoshopper basically gave the Grinch free advertising because that went viral like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing about this movie is, yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of money. When it came out, it I think it was it may oh sorry I, I lied it did it was number one when it came out, but because it's a holiday movie, people are going to be watching it all the way up through, through Christmas Eve. So it's right. got a, it's it's already got a built in longevity in the box office. So whatever money it doesn't like make right away, it's going to make probably by the end of the season because people will yeah. want to go see it for that reason well, alone. I think it kind of depends on how well it does, too, because sometimes they'll release like a Christmas-ish movie around Thanksgiving, but it doesn't quite always make it into closer to Christmas. Like, I'll probably talk about this a little more on our next episode, but um, like a couple years ago, there was that Krampus movie with Adam Scott that came out. And I was waiting until my youngest, so like my youngest sister was into Krampus. And so I was, I took her to go see it and we had to find, I think we had to go all the way to like Eastridge to go see it. Cause that was the only theater that still had it showing like in the middle of the day or something. And this was still like within the first week or two of December and like we were trying to look and see if there was any showing closer to Christmas and like we saw it one of the last couple days it was in the theaters I think just because it wasn't doing amazingly at the box office right and for those again the non-San Joseans listening to the podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) Eastridge is um East San Jose, hence the name Eastridge um, mm. Mall, and it's. I mean, it's. It's not one of the more popular theaters. It is, no, it's it more, is a popular it's more, theater for screeners. What I was getting at was like I had to go out of my way to go yeah. to a theater. Like there are at least a handful of other theaters that are much closer to my house, which is already kind of out there. So for like for me to go out of the way to do something. Like everything is out of the way for me, so this yeah. is like even further. <laughs> we yeah, were totally. looking for something recently, and was like, the only place it's playing is the Great Mall in Milpitas. Uh, I don't want to go out there. Yeah, and Great Mall no. is north of San Jose. Uh, yeah. In fact, actually, it's riddled, literally on the border of North San Jose, and then there's Milpitas. So, <laughs> yeah, San Jose is surprisingly for a for a city with such a low population because I think it just hit a million within a couple of years. It's like the top. It's like the tenth highest populated city in the country. Yeah. So it, cool. It's in the top ten, but like, it's v- surprisingly a large landmass for as few people that that live here. Because it's very, it's super, super. It's more suburban than urban than it is anything else. It's also because most of us work in tech companies, and the people, most of the people, can afford to buy houses where we can't. But, well, um, and like like out where I live, San Jose was a it was initially like it was a big agricultural area. So like out where I live, I remember growing up and seeing like an orchard out there that has mm-hmm. since been Track torn off. out and and houses put in and things like that. So like San Jose was big because it, it it's a big ag area. And yeah. there's you know, there's a lot of like hills that aren't necessarily like easy to build on and, and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of people crammed into that city <laughs> yeah and i mean it's the same thing with bakersfield in the middle of the state because if 
if Ugh, they, no one if, wants to live in Bakersfield. Well, though. the thing is, if they ever <laughs> urbanly develop Bakersfield to not be agri- uh, an agricultural part of the state, it, it would be huge. It's like it's a gigantic. I remember we were going on a road trip and we wanted to go to In-N-Out. And it was said mm-hmm. it was also in Bakersfield. And we were in Bakersfield at the moment. And it was going to take us a half hour to get there. Because Ugh. Bakersfield County is just this massive, like, unincorporated zone of land. So Yeah. To bring it back to Krampus, I actually enjoyed that movie. Same. Oh, it, Krampus I, actually follows the Christmas rubric. It actually meets all of the... It hits a... It's a 16 all the way. So I think you should save that for the next episode. Uh, oh, we will. It's I a think that would be... Preview. I think that would be great. That's going to be fun. Totally. No, no. <laughs> I am absolutely going to save that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. Um, so unfortunately, we don't have any feedback to share this episode. It's a busy um, time. Yeah, it's been a busy time for a lot of people. And... I think a lot of people are just like, oh, shit, it's December. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I keep telling myself because I don't want to tell myself that we're losing listeners and that our audience is shrinking. Um, because... You're annoyed much? What? No, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's the listener's problem. Um... <laughs> we love we love all of you regardless of whether you write in or not. But if no, you if, if you want fine. to say some things, you should write in because we love mail. Yeah, there's a reason why Sean gets the insults and Ellie doesn't give me the insults because I don't take insults very <laughs> well. Um, Sean also openly asks for them. That's true. Too, he so. openly invites. It. Though I think we're honestly, I think we're at the point where Sean's going to be broken. Because <laughs> I've seen the chinks in the armor finally, like, get a little bit wider every time. Uh, and Ellie is going further and further and pushing the envelope. So, like... He's just gonna he's just gonna shove it down real deep. And then, like, the day Ellie turns 18, it's gonna... We're gonna see, like, Sean's eyes turn red. And we're gonna just see, like, his jaw unlatch and just, like... A swarm of like insult locusts just fly out, just like not the bees. That was that was not the way way I saw that going. Because when you said keep it all down deep, I thought his eyes were gonna pop out and turn red and have this really angry insult shit pop out of his of his colon, (laughs) and then that becomes kind of like the rubber poop monster in Dogma, and like oh yes, no Brian, with that much pressure and that much time, it would have been some kind of weird diamond. That's true. <laughs> That's the, true. Th- this diamond is made of every insult that was ever hurled at me. It it's is amazing. Very, it is very precious. <laughs> we are putting it in the Smithsonian next to the Hope Diamond. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, it is the despair listeners, diamond. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, um, here's the deal. Here's how you can give us feedback if maybe you've been a listener and you haven't. Because honestly, Usually, when you listen to podcasts, pull back the curtain a little bit, it's less than 10% of people who are regular listeners who actually write in to a show. And that's true whether it's a radio show that's a popular show on a major radio station or a simple podcast like ours. So if you've been listening and always wanted to listen, here's how you can do that. We will remind you how to do it. If this is your first episode, hello, by the way, Merry Christmas and, or whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, <laughs> Happy holidays. Diwali, Kwanzaa. Yeah. Yule. Yeah. I always, Festivus. I always joke about atheists. How do they say, <laughs> I, whenever they say, whatever it is, how does an atheist say blank? It's always nothing happens after you die. So it's like, how does an atheist wish you season's greetings? Nothing happens after you die. Nothing happens after you die. Nothing happens after you die. Happy Hanukkah. Um, <laughs> so, 
Um, because you can't escape Judaism, even if you're an atheist. Um, so at any, any rate, um, if you do want to give us feedback, you can go to Neuronomy.com and click on that Talk to Us link, which will send us all an email straight to our inboxes. While you're at Neuronomy.com, by the way, you can support the podcast by either giving us a donation or by buying a t-shirt the money goes to keeping us around not necessarily for us making money because we've never taken money i have three profit yes vanessa has three t-shirts by the way speaking of which i do want to thank my mom because my mom has become a a monthly subscriber and monthly pledger if you will um she's giving us a little bit of coin every month to help us keep the lights on so thank you mom I feel like it's such Aww. a it's such a, like a small podcast thing to do. Mom. Said, Thanks, mom. But Thanks, thank you, Brian's mom. mom. <laughs> she does listen um, now regularly. And um, by the way, if you like following us, you can follow us on Instagram, Google, uh, go- on Google. Google um, Plus. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. You'd think after 200 episodes, I would know what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> you can follow Blame us. Blame it on the eggnog. It is the eggnog. Blame it on the eggnog. Um <laughs> If you do want to follow us on social media, you may do so at our Facebook, our Twitter, or our Instagrams at Nerdonomy. Just Google Nerdonomy. I promise you will find us. Uh, most importantly, though, I think the thing you can do is spread the word of nerd like a bird turd. Exactly. Or like a reindeer turd, maybe. Yeah, since it's a pro- Whatever. appropriate. Whatever. Like little pebbly things, though. Like, <laughs> Those yeah. don't, they don't spread get like, like bird turds. Yeah, I think they fly up so high that they eventually petrify, and then they just become like... Hail. Brown hail, basically. Oh, you're talking about flying reindeer. Yeah. Well, yeah. duh. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I was grounded. Yeah, grounded in reality. <laughs> this is how our marriage works, folks. I have flights of fancy, and Vanessa just pulls me back down into reality um, to break me. Unwilling but, um, to <laughs> uh, Okay, we're having too much fun, so we should get out of here. Um, but uh, until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode, Same Nerd Time. Same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Goodbye. Bye. Peace. And roll credits. Now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. If I'm going to become Santa, I've got to get into character. <laughs> that Ew. sounds like a bad Christmas porno. It do, and I feel <laughs> gross after saying that now. <laughs> that is a desecration of the memory of St. Nicholas. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs>